You're listening to A Stranger Podcast, www.thestranger.com. If you're stuck in a relationship quandary, or if you're looking for sexual harmony, well, there's nothing you can't ask on the Savage Podcast. I have the flu. I apologize to everyone who is going to contract the flu just listening to the sound of my voice. That's how sick I am. It's going to come through your earbuds and worm its way into your brain uh, and then lay eggs as it worms its way out the other side. Even more disgusting than the color of the phlegm I'm hacking up right now in between takes here at the podcast. Feel bad for the tech heavy at-risk youth who are incubating in this tiny little recording studio with me right now inhaling what I've exhaled and expectorated, the poor dears. Anyway, uh, you know, disgust will be the theme of today's opener. Uh, You know who Mike Huckabee is, right? Uh, He ran for president, won Iowa. I've actually been on the TV with Mike Huckabee. I've met my – I have pictures of Mike Huckabee shaking the hand that I have jammed up my husband's ass. Yes. Well, we don't actually fist, but enough of the fingers have been up there at any given time that perhaps in toto the whole hand has been up there. And Mike had a little interview on Fox News the other day where he was being asked uh, by a Fox News host who was sort of kind of coming to the defense of gay families and gay marriage. It was kind of a looking glass moment. But anyway, the host was asking Mike who was saying that he opposed gay marriage because there are so many single mothers who should be married to the fathers of their children. And therefore he opposes gay marriage because if gay people can't get married, I guess then I will go marry a single mother maybe for shits and giggles. But anyway, they had this little exchange. Two thirds of the children in America who are in poverty would not be in poverty if the mothers of those children were married to the fathers of those but children. None, none of that has anything to do with allowing a same sex couple down the block to live together and to be married. Question Do yeah. conservatives care about the couple down the block? Yes, they do. Why? Not that they care. Why what do they, they want to get in their bedroom? No, no, no. They don't want to get in their bedroom. They, they definitely don't want to get in their bedroom. They don't want to see what's going on in that bedroom. He said, with his eyes bugging out on the TV. Which begs the question, you know, does anybody out there really want to watch Mike Huckabee blow a three-day load all over his wife's face? No? What about Mike and the wife? Google him. Google image him. I dare you. What about Mike and the wife six to nine-ing each other? Or maybe you want to see Mike and the wife banging away doggy style. Maybe the wife pegging Mike. Maybe Mike and the wife pissing on each other, whipping up a little Santorum before church on Sunday. Or maybe this, maybe you would like to see Mike Huckabee gently finger the wife and then use his own soaking wet fingers to dab her vaginal secretions on his own nipples before leaning down over the wife and placing his nipples one at a time very lovingly in his wife's mouth so that she can taste herself. Anybody want to see that? No, I don't want to see that. I think I speak for all Americans everywhere when I say, really, none of us want to see what's going on in your bedroom, Mike any more than you want to see what's going on in my bedroom. You know, I get it. You think gay sex is icky and gay people are icky and we make our, your eyes bug out when you think for a moment about what we're doing in our bedrooms. And that's totally fine. I, I get where you're coming from. Cunnilingus gives me the willies. And I'd rather see my own intestines wound onto a spool than see you fuck your wife, Mike Huckabee. 
But you know what? People shouldn't be discriminated against because other people don't want to watch them fuck. You are not required to watch the married people down the block fuck just because they got a marriage license. A marriage license is not a license to fuck on the sidewalk in front of your house in full view of passing right-wing bigot Fox News asshole aspiring presidential douchebag candidate dip fuckwits. All right? And answer the man's question, Mike. You never really got around to it. How does denying marriage rights to a same-sex couple down the street make the single mother up the street any more likely to marry the father of her children? How does discriminating against gay people make straight people better parents or more responsible? How does that work? It doesn't. Your questions after this? This podcast is brought to you by Audible.com, the internet's leading provider of audiobooks with more than 75,000 downloadable titles across all types of literature, including fiction, nonfiction, and periodicals. For a free audiobook of your choice, go to audiblepodcast.com slash savage. Hi, Dan. I've heard a lot of calls from people who have friends who are in abusive relationships and what should they do and generally to talk to them. If they don't get out, that's their fault. What do you do when your friend is the abuser? Um, myself and several of the people that I know and are close to this certain friend of mine have noticed that he doesn't treat his girlfriend very well. From the very beginning, he was not very nice to her, and she's a very sweet girl. Um, you know, every Facebook update she has is about how it works when she comes home and he's so great, but he doesn't treat her particularly well. He insults her. You know, even when they first got together, he was insinuating that there were much prettier girls than her out there, and his ideal girl was nothing like her. Um, in some ways, he treats her well. You know, he cooks for her and stuff, um, but he likes to cook, so I feel like he's just cooking and he figures he'll feed her, too. Um, he's just not very nice. So what do you do with a friend who is an abusive, especially verbally, a partner to someone who they're dating, and you're sure that it's pretty one-sided because you have very intimate knowledge of their relationship. One of the roles of communities of friends, friendship networks, is to enforce social norms and norms of decent human conduct and interaction. Uh, Forgive me, this is the Theraflu rambling. Look, when you witness abuse, when your friend treats his girlfriend in front of you like shit and insults her and you are silent, you are complicit in the – you are participating in the abuse. At those moments, you must speak up. You must hold your friend accountable for his behavior. And you really do need to put this friendship on the line. I wouldn't be friends with somebody who abused his boyfriend or his girlfriend. I wouldn't be friends with a, a woman who abused her girlfriend or her boyfriend. That is kind of a friendship deal breaker. I would, however, if I witnessed someone I thought – was a friend and somebody, you know, I had invested time and, and, and emotional energy in building a friendship with and I witnessed them engaging this behavior, I would attempt to salvage the friendship by confronting them and saying, this is a problem. You have to knock it off. I don't know what your deal is with your girlfriend when people aren't around, but the way you treat her when I'm there is unacceptable to me. You may not drag me into this pattern of abuse by abusing her in front of me. It may be the wake-up call he needs or losing you and losing your friendship may be the wake-up call he needs. And you confronting him in front of the girlfriend when this happens may be the wake-up call 
that she needs to get the fuck away from this asshole. Hi, uh, I have this friend that recently started seeing this guy, and he maintains this sex blog, so to speak, and I was just wondering that if it's sort of valid of him on his part to maintain the sex blog and include her in the sex blog and basically against her wishes. And then not only is he doing this against her wishes, but he's also really painting her out to like, he's just portraying her in this really unflattering light. And throughout the blog, he just sort of puts her down and demeans her and really talks terribly about her in a lot of ways. And he come, I don't know, it's, it's sort of a strange situation. So I was wondering if it's valid or not uh, for him to maintain this blog against her wishes. I don't know if valid is the question here, whether it's valid or not for him to maintain this blog. Um, the question is, is it an asshole move for him to maintain this blog? You know, he has free speech rights and he can say whatever he wants to in public. He could write anything he wants to down. But what he's doing is publicly embarrassing and humiliating his girlfriend uh, and that he seems to feel compelled to do this, it is abusive behavior. This is kind of – and that her friends know about this blog and know that this is about her. It's very sadistic and emotionally abusive. And like the previous caller, you should have nothing to do with this asshole douchebag. And he should yank this blog down. That he doesn't give a shit. That it upsets his intimate partner for her to be insulted and sexually humiliated online? Again, we're at friendship deal-breaker territory here where people have to stand up and enforce some codes of decent conduct, bare minimum decent conduct, and there has to be consequences. Uh, I would encourage the girl to dump this motherfucker already and I would encourage you to lay your friendship on the line and say, I like you and I want to be your friend, but I can't be your friend if you're going to treat people like this uh, because it is unacceptable to me as a human being and I'm only interested in having friendships with human beings and right now you're disqualified. Hi, Dan. I'm an 18-year-old homo in Colorado and I'm a senior in high school. I'm trying to figure out whether I should consider myself a virgin or not anymore. I was with a guy a couple months back and we were engaged in oral sex for a while, but neither of us came and it was quite unsatisfactory because both of us were virgins, I guess, but uh, neither of us came and it was just really awkward and unsatisfying and felt like I was just out of getting rid of my V-card. So help me out. Thanks. We've got to stop thinking of virginity like it's a 4th of July firework that it flies into the air and explodes and it's over and it's gone. Virginity is like a puddle after a rainy day. It evaporates slowly. Um, you are not quite as virginal as you were before this failed oral encounter. And I wouldn't necessarily describe it as failed. You learned a little bit about yourself, a little about this other guy, a little bit what doesn't work for you, which is part of becoming a sexually active adult is discovering what doesn't work for you. He didn't work for you. Whatever you guys were doing didn't work for you. You need to grow an experiment, try different things, perhaps different people. So you've had a sexual encounter, which means you're not 100% sexually inexperienced anymore. I don't want to use the word pure, but you're not pure anymore. 
you're a dirty little puddle, but you're still a puddle. You still retain most of your virginity. You put a dick in your mouth. Maybe your tonsils lost their virginity, but your asshole didn't lose its virginity during that encounter. Uh, and you didn't blow a load, so you didn't lose your blow a load virginity. Virginity is really lost in stages, dribs, drabs, and orify. Uh, so I would, if I were you, and this is what you want to do, describe yourself as a virgin with an asterisk. You're a virgin, sort of. A virgin, mostly. A virgin from the neck down. This podcast is brought to you by Audible.com, the Internet's leading provider of audiobooks with more than 75,000 downloadable titles across all types of literature and featuring audio versions of many New York Times bestsellers. For listeners of this podcast, Audible is offering a free audiobook to give you a chance to try out their service. One audiobook to consider is The King's Speech, How One Man Saved the British Monarchy. It is the book that the film was adapted from, the film that didn't deserve the Oscar, in my opinion, over social network. But I hear the book is really good, and I'm going to read it myself, and you might want to listen to it instead. For that free audiobook of your choice, go to audiblepodcast.com slash savage. That's audiblepodcast.com slash savage. Hi, Dan. I've been listening to your podcast and reading your column for years. I often listen to it while I'm going to sleep because the sound of saying no bullshit sex advice is very calming to me. Uh, anyway, I'm a 23-year-old straight female, and I've discovered in the past couple years that I'm the kinky switch, but that my primary turn-on is age play. This isn't my only kink, and I'm an excellent lover, high sex drive, and a vicarious fetishist when it comes to pleasing my partners. Now, I'm an independent, responsible, mature woman with a high education and a good job, but being like a child sometimes is very cathartic for me. I just ended my first relationship with explicit daddy little girl dynamic. We didn't meet through the kink community, but it just clicked. Sex was the best of my life. Incest role play, experimenting with diapers, and so on. Uh, he was also willing to play with me, read to me, get me juice in a sip cup, and basically treat me like his little girl. Uh, this was extremely fulfilling, like no other relationship I've ever been in. Well, now that I know that it's something I need to be fulfilled sexually and emotionally, I'm not sure what to do about dating. I'm part of the kink and ABDL communities here, but I've been cautioned against trying to seek out people on the basis of a fetish. It doesn't mean you'll have anything in common, basically. And again, I'm worried that my fetish is so out there that it would be a continual dead end to seek out partners through vanilla channels and places like OkCupid. Now, even though I got lucky last time, this is all somewhat new to me. There is still some embarrassment around it, especially the diaper stuff. So I'm worried I might put it all back in the box. So I'm not encouraged. Help me out with a game plan here, Dan. Uh, thank you for listening. All I can do is sit here and wonder if Mike Huckabee wants to see what's going on in your bedroom. Because whatever's going on in your bedroom, at least it's happening between a man and a woman. So nothing gross, nothing disgusting. Uh, and you know what? Is kinda, I, I have to admit that your fetishes are sort of, you know, they tweak me a little bit. They're high bar. And it's not even the diapers. It's the sippy cup detail. And I say that as a parent, that uh, a sippy cup was never sort of a fetishistic talisman uh, in my mind. Um but to each his own, and there are certainly things uh, in locked uh, boxes under my bed that would scare the shit out of you. All right, so your fetish is a high bar to clear. I would encourage you 
to you know put an ad on FetLife, which is a wonderful website for kinksters, but also put a, put an ad on OkCupid. You know, you need to uh, move forward on all fronts. Uh, you are a kinky woman who's into age play and diapers, and you really will be in demand. Uh, it is, uh, you know, a hundred guys who are kinky to every one woman is kinky. And I would say when it comes to things like diapers and infantilism, there are a thousand guys into that for every one woman who is into that as a fetish. So you need to regard that as a strength, as something that you can really market. And then you will have your pick of the kinksters who share your fetish. Um, Yeah, just having the kink in common isn't enough. You have to be emotionally compatible, intellectually compatible. You have to sort of want the same things out of life. But the rarer your kink is, uh, the more realistic you have to be about (sighs) making adjustments to your expectations and what you're willing to settle for. Because even for non-kinksters, as I've said a million times, there's no settling down without some settling for. And if you meet somebody who shares your kinks, who can really create a life for you, or you guys can create a life together uh, of mutual sexual fulfillment, and he doesn't want quite what the same things that, you know, at 23 that you think you want out of life, you might want to revisit some of those things uh, because the trade-off might be worth it. Also, I would go ahead and put that ad on OkCupid because, you know, knowing that kinky guys are a dime a dozen and there's 100 kinky guys for every one kinky girl, there are lots of guys on OkCupid and regular dating websites who are kinky and just not leading with that um, because they want to go where the girls are or where there's, you know, a wider selection. And there's a wider selection on sites uh, like OkCupid. So there are closeted kinksters all over the vanilla websites um, as well. So... Go go both and use code words on the vanilla website. Say you're GGG. Say you are uh, sexually adventurous. Say that you know you have a, a few sexual interests that will blow your mind, dot, 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 and let them be intrigued. And if when you unpack it for them, it scares them off, you're well rid of them. Move on to the next guy. Okay. So I'm in a really stable relationship. It's been going on for about four years. And, um, I am not finding orgasming as I would wish, um, in, like, in oral sex and in fingering and everything like that, everything is fine, but when it comes to actual sexual intercourse, like penetration, it's not going so well for me, and I can't seem to find a solution to this. Um, I've like tried all these different positions and you name it. And it's really frustrating because my man feels like he's inadequate and I'm trying to let him know that he's not, but at the same time, I'm kind of desperate. Um, I've heard that some factors could be that I'm on birth control or also that I'm taking antidepressants. So I was wondering what your comment is on the situation and if there's anything you can do for me. Pop your earphones into your boyfriend's ears. You worry that you're inadequate because your girlfriend can't come uh, from vaginal intercourse alone, just from your magic penis. News for you, you are inadequate. Most men are inadequate. Uh, 75% of women can't come from vaginal intercourse alone. It's got to be vaginal intercourse plus some of the other stuff uh, in addition to your magic penis and the fucking that you're enjoying. So what you got to do, your girlfriend's orgasmic. 
She can come through oral and digital manipulation. She works fine. All you got to do is incorporate some of that digital stimulation, maybe a vibrator, into the fucking. Uh, you should move her hands down onto her clit while you fuck her and let her basically masturbate while you fuck her uh, and get herself off and get herself coming. And you can observe her do that and then you can learn exactly how she likes to be touched while she's getting fucked and then you can prove to her that you can do two things at once. You can fuck her and play with her clit and get her off. Um, but, you know, rare is the woman who just from vaginal intercourse can go over the falls. Uh, all too common are the women who pretend that they can come from vaginal intercourse alone because their insecure boyfriends make uh, their ability to come from vaginal intercourse alone this referendum on their skills and their adequacy. And that's really not uh, how you should approach it or regard it. You have genitals. You have orgasms. They work. She has genitals. She has orgasms. They work. What you have to do is figure out what you guys can do together that gets you both off. And if you're invested in coming together, climaxing at roughly the same time, that takes time and practice to really learn each other's bodies and learn each other's how you build up to that moment. Also communication. You have to say, I'm getting close. Are you getting close? And if you're close and you want to come together and she's not close yet, you need to slow down. You need to pay some attention to her clit. You need to pull your dick out of her and get your face down there and eat her pussy for a little while and get her closer and then jam your dick back in. Blah, blah, blah. But this is not a problem with her. This is a problem with you and what's going on between your ears. Not a problem with what's going on between her legs or between your genitals and her genitals. Hey, Dan. Uh, my name is Sean. I'm a 27-year-old gay guy calling from Tucson, Arizona. I am newly single after a three-year relationship and, well, it was about six months ago. But I've decided that because of the lack of really opportunities in gay culture here in Tucson, I am biting the bullet and moving to a bigger city, um, Denver. It's probably not the biggest gay mecca I could choose, but it's, um, I have friends there, and I have, it's the least oppressive big city that I've, I've spent any amount of time in. And I really want to broaden my sexual horizons and uh, dabble or try out um, casual sex and, or even anonymous sex, and um, I've never been to a bathhouse. So my question is, is there like a certain procedure with these things that goes on or is it just, you know, you're cruising, you go, you see somebody you find attractive and bam, you're, you're having sex. Um, you know, there was that whole incident uh, in the uh, Twin Cities airport with the foot tapping and that just kind of makes me think that there's this whole uh, procedure that goes along with that I have never been clued into. I've never, um, I've had only had boyfriends in the past who I've had sex with and I've never really, um, had the opportunity or wanted to explore other venues, but now I do. So, um, and then any other advice you have for a, a young gay guy moving to a big city for the first time, you know, what to do, what not to do. You might be barking up the wrong fag here because my only advice about bathhouses is don't go to bathhouses. Um, <laughs> and my advice about having anonymous sex in toilets is please don't have anonymous sex in toilets. Because you don't right. want to accidentally give a blowjob to an anti-gay Republican senator, do you? Right. Um, what, what What's so alluring about uh, anonymous, high-risk uh, sex? Well, I mean, I've only been in um, long-term committed relationships before, and um, I've had the problem with losing interest in sex, and that my partner, my last relationship, um, had a problem with me not wanting, not, just not being interested, so we had long, dry spells. 
themselves. And then mm-hmm. now that I'm single and in a bigger city, it just seems kind of, I don't know, alluring. I think I'm maybe a little voyeur. Voyeur is fine. And, you know, I would encourage you to, instead of thinking, you know, bathhouses, which is so, like, 30 years ago, so old fag. Right. Like, look at Grinder, look at Dudes Nude, look at Recon, even places like Manhunt. There's a lot of guys uh-huh. out there who are looking for no strings attached sex. And at okay. least if you're having an email exchange or then maybe a phone conversation first, you can right. get a sense uh, of you know, what kind of human being you're interacting with. Um, okay. It does set the bar a little higher. You know, a lot of people will go to bathhouses and basically fuck anything. But do you right. really want to be anything? Do you really want to be no. like a box of Kleenex when you grow no, up? No, not really. I don't really like treating a person like that. You know, I'm. I get in trouble sometimes with the sex radical community, who you know they believe that the revolution is a million dicks. Like the more dicks you can stuff into your mouth and ass, the more liberated you are as a gay. And uh-huh. I, I kind of reject that. You know, if I found a half-eaten ham sandwich lying on the sidewalk and it was wrapped up in the paper and, like, no birds had gotten to it or rats, and clearly, like, only one person had taken a couple of bites out of it, and I was walking down uh-huh. the street and I handed you that sandwich that I found on the sidewalk that somebody took a bite out of, would you eat it? No, I would not. Okay, but you're contemplating going to a bathhouse and putting a dick in your mouth that's been in 30 other mouths, but you won't eat the ham sandwich that was in one other mouth. Right. And that that disconnect for so many gay men kind of freaks me out. Like, where's our sense of cooties when it comes to putting the thing in our mouth that can give us oral syphilis? Totally. We have the sense of cooties when it comes to, like, sharing a can of Coke with a bomb on the bus. We're not going to do that. We're not going to eat some ham sandwich that we found lying on the street. No. But a dick that has, like... A strange dick in my mouth. Yeah, that has, like, 30 other men's saliva dripping off it. Oh, that will stuff in our mouths. That just seems a little crazy. Uh-huh. You know, if the problem is that you've lost interest, you're only, how old are you again? 27. Okay. If the problem is you've been in long-term relationships where you've lost interest in sex, that uh-huh. isn't a problem of, oh, what I need then is the anonymous sex carnival circle jerkathon. Right. <laughs> what you need to do, I-, I think, is, you know, perhaps look to your relationships and and find a boyfriend and Put that on the table right away that, you know, I've lost interest in sex and long-term relationships in the past. So we have to, like, work to keep it interesting and perhaps right. an open relationship, uh, perhaps three ways. Like, there are different ways to make it interesting without making it a Cecil B. DeMille production with a cast of thousands of guys blowing loads down your throat. <laughs> right. Okay. <laughs> I think that's sound advice. <laughs> Which is not to say that, you know, uh, I'm not advocating for everybody. All gay people have to get married and be monogamous and move to the suburbs. I'm not right, that right. guy. But as I've said a million times, and I'll say it one more time, straight people, they need to have more sex and more sex partners than they do. And we gay guys, we have to have less sex and fewer sex partners than we can. And there's a gotcha. balance. And when you jump okay. into that end of the pool, the communal sewer, uh-huh. You're self-selecting them to be with guys who, you know, don't care uh, that right. much about themselves. Like, really, that's where you're going to find the core group members, the meth addicts. And you'll find some really nice, decent guys there, too. Uh, right. Not all the people involved in, like, anonymous, crazy sex land are uh, awful people. But the percentage mm-hmm. uh, of that group that is comprised of awful people is higher. And okay. it particularly young guys, when they first jump in there, they can't tell them apart. They can't tell okay. the meth-abusing user from 
you know, the decent yeah, know. lawyer guy who's just a little turned on by that kind of sex and public sex environment. Right, right. Okay. But I'm a prude. And, you know, we'll get a million calls. We'll run some responses <laughs> from, you know, outraged gay men who think that, you know, wedging a million cocks into your ass is the revolution. And I've portrayed the gay revolution by discouraging right. you uh, from running out there. It's not worth the risk, though, I'd say, probably. <laughs> there are risks. And, you know, there are yeah. risks in, you know, partner bonds. You, you could get a boyfriend who is abusive. You could get a boyfriend who lies oh, yeah. to you about his HIV status and talks you out of using condoms with him because you've been together for six months. You know, there are right. always risks. I just think in the aggregate, the risks are greater emotionally, physically, sexually. Uh, mm-hmm. The more people you fuck and the more people you fuck whose names you don't know. I think the risks rise and rise and rise. But get out there and have fun. I don't want to like. Oh, no. I don't want to be your mom no. about this. I want you to get there and have fun. No, I, uh, I appreciate you calling. <laughs> I'm going to leave you with one last little like bit of advice. Okay. Because this worked for me, right? You know, okay. I've been with Terry for 16 plus years. We had a one night right. stand. So it's not like you know he sat on in my parents' parlor with me on a settee for six weeks courting me and. <laughs> drinking tea like we had a one night thing we made out in a bathroom the night we met um yeah over the mantle in our house we have the there was a mural on the wall over the urinal in this uh over the urinals in this uh bathroom where we made out and the owner of the bar let us have it cut off the wall we had it framed and it's in our house um so Uh we totally embraced like we met in a toilet uh and messed around in the toilet (laughs) but here's the diff you know, we met and we flirted for hours. We talked. We had a drink together. And I had a sense by the time I was like, oh, yeah, I'm going to take this guy home, that he was a good, decent guy. Yeah. You know, right. At least decent enough to have a one-night stand with, that I could take him home totally. and he wasn't going to boil my head because he wasn't Jeffrey Dahmer because <laughs> I had at least vetted him enough. And so I would encourage you to do that. If you want to have fun, if you want to get out there, if you want to play, do uh-huh. it. And you can meet guys for this on Grinder and dudes who a lot of uh, gay guys in their 20s are not even going to bars okay. anymore. A lot of bars are closing. But, yeah. okay. you know, don't, don't let somebody into your pants who's not willing to invest a few hours in getting to know you and then okay. giving you a sense of who they are and whether they're worth the risk. And there's a risk whoever they are uh-huh. and however okay. you met. I can do that. Okay. Good luck. Thank you. Hi, Dan. This is Lori from Southern California, and I am actually a new listener and relieved. I am recently married a year and a half. And before we got married, my sex life with my then-fiancé was wonderful. And right after we came back from the honeymoon, he just drew, dropped a big curtain down and put a wall up and was getting it maybe once every couple of weeks, um, total vanilla sex. He knew before, you know, he was a little bit more GGG, and then he started being kind of boring, boring, boring. And um, after about a year and a few months of that and begging and buying toys and everything you can think of to get him interested, I finally just laid it on the line, and I kind of felt bad because I thought, I'm going to be a bitch saying this, but either you fuck me right and be a good husband and you know handle your business, or I will find somebody who will, period. No ifs, ands, or buts. You've been given too many notices, too many chances. You know what I want. You know what we're lacking. We went to a marriage therapist for a year, like literally two months after we got married. Crazy shit. Um, apparently it worked. He is handling business. He has straightened his crap out, and he is handling my action proper. I'm happy now. Thank God I didn't have to go outside the marriage, but I was going to do it. I wasn't bluffing. I was going to do it. And I thought maybe I'm the only one. Maybe I'm a 
horrible woman, horrible wife, to say something like that, to think something like that, to, to put something like that in front of him. But it was all I could do. It was all I had left. It was my last card to put on the table, and I did it. And after listening to about 15 or 20 of your podcasts the last week or two, I realized that I, you know, I did the right thing. It worked for me. I felt guilty about it until a couple of days ago, and now I feel good. I feel like I did the right thing, and I'm happy. He seems happy. He's a horny little devil, and, you know, I couldn't be happier for that. And um, finally found somebody who actually, you know, really did shut up, put up or shut up. Sometimes ultimatums work. Uh, caller has no questions, but I wanted to toss this out there in the, the body of the show just to, because I think – People need to know uh, that, it, you know, if you're sexually unsatisfied in a closed monogamous relationship, even in an open relationship, if you're sexually unsatisfied, you have to be able to go to your partner and lay it on the line and say, look, this changes or there will be consequences that you don't like. I will get my needs met somewhere if they're not getting met here at home. Uh, and sometimes that's all it takes to jar somebody out of a sense of complacency or get them, you know, over the hump. Uh, it sounds like you guys got married and then some part of your husband's brain went, you fuck your wife differently than you fuck your girlfriend. Girlfriends are fun. Girlfriends, you can be crazy. There's not as much at stake. But a wife, oh my God, Madonna horror, cliche, straight guy bullshit. Um, and it took you laying down the law and saying, you will fuck me like I'm your girlfriend again. Or I will find someone and be that guy's girlfriend and get fucked like somebody's girlfriend and I will come home to you and get fucked like somebody's wife. But you guys are proving that uh, you can be married and you can be a wife and a wife can get fucked uh, good and hard just the way she likes too. So good for you. Thanks for calling. Hi, Dan. I'm a 25-year-old female in a monogamous long-distance relationship with a man. Most things are great emotionally and sexually. My one complaint is that he won't want to give him a blowjob. Some of doesn't enjoy head, which is his way of distinguishing. Nearly all of our sexual encounters involve some sort of oral mouth play. However, he refuses to come by way of a blowjob instead of insisting that vaginal or intercourse finish the job off for him. Um, I know a lot of women would die for this problem, but it's starting to give me a complex. Previous to this relationship, I would have listed blowjobs at the top of my list of skills. I'm enthusiastic about giving them, and the truth is that I really enjoy watching a guy enjoy them. When I press him about this issue, he says that because we're long distance and our sexual experiences are numbered because of this, he prefers only orgasms through sex. That being said, he brings me to orgasm plenty through oral and digital stimulation. Additionally, he thinks that it's degrading for him to come to my mouth, but I don't buy this because we do plenty of other sex acts that could be considered degrading um, by those standards. So what gives? Why won't he let me give him a blowjob? Am I being weird by wanting this so much? Um, honestly, it's making me become self-conscious about what my skills are, so to speak. Um, I mean, most guys would love that his girlfriend was begging to begging to have this happen. Um, backstory here is, while we have a very fulfilling sex life otherwise, a hang-up is that on our third date, I was really aggressive. I came on to him, and we ended up having sex with his consent, of course. Um, but the next day we kind of had a discussion in which he insinuated that I may be easy. And I got upset, of course. And uh, we since like reconciled and chalked it up to the just stupid shit you say in the beginning of a relationship when you're trying to figure everything out. And you're like, oh, I'm not sure if I can trust you, blah, thing. Um, so we've, we've mostly gotten over that, but maybe that's why he's so overly cautious about the degradation thing. Um, I don't know. What do you think? 
Could it just be that he doesn't like coming in a woman's mouth? Oh, my God. Blah, blah, blah. Maybe he doesn't want to come in your mouth because then he'll have to take his dick off and you'll start talking to him again. Um, sorry, I'm just being rude. Uh, you were going on, though. Listen, maybe he just doesn't like blowjobs. Not all guys do. Um, it would seem that you like blowjobs. And if he's going to be a GGG partner, even if a blowjob isn't his favorite thing, that he should, uh, you know, come through, literally, uh, your tonsils every once in a while. Uh, because you enjoy it. And he should take some pleasure in giving you that pleasure. The degrading thing, that just seems like a reach. Like he wanted an excuse to get out of having to accept blowjobs that seemed like he was being sensitive to, you know, a woman's concerns uh, when it comes to sex about, you know, blowjobs being degrading. Some women think blowjobs are degrading. So I'm going to say, I think it's degrading for me to come in your mouth. And then, you know, not only do I get out of this sex act that I don't particularly enjoy, but I also get a gold star for being a sensitive new age douchebag about it. All you got to do is tell him, I really like this. I'd like to do it. I'd like you to come in my mouth for me, not for you. But then if he says, you know, it's uncomfortable when I ejaculate in someone's mouth, I find it painful. There's some other reason besides, oh, he's just so considerate uh, and so worried about accidentally degrading you. Um, There's some other reason. And if he trots out that reason and it's legit and it's good, you might have to recognize that being with this guy, the price of admission of being with this guy may be – that you don't get to give him blowjobs to completion because he just, for some reason, doesn't like them. And I guarantee you, again, it's not about the degradation factor. It's about something else. Hey, Dan, this is uh, Beth, a registered nurse, and I just wanted to make a comment or suggestion for people who in the future find blood on their pristine white sheets. Hydrogen peroxide, a fresh bottle of hydrogen peroxide, put it on the blood, washes away immediately, um, blood's very, very easy to get the stains out. And that way he doesn't have to, this guy in the last podcast caller, um, worrying about menstrual blood on his sheets. He can solve that problem easily. Hey, Dan, as always, you rock. Hey, I'm calling about episode 223 that I just listened to. It was one of the last calls, or the last call, about the girl who has the boyfriend who can't kiss well, according to her. Um, you've been in a really good mood, obviously, because I thought you were pretty nice to her. I think there was a deeper issue, and that is if you think you're in a long-term committed relationship that you want to spend the rest of your life with somebody and you're ready to have babies with them, and you don't even have the communications to talk about something as simple as kissing styles, uh, you're part of the two-thirds that are going to be divorced. Uh, you don't have a relationship. You're just dating. Uh, this is not the person for you, probably, or you're certainly nowhere near the age of or maturity to handle a real relationship that's actually going to stick. Because if you can't talk about the basics, you really don't have a relationship. Hi. Um, I was just listening to episode 227, and I heard that call where the girl um, was on a date with one guy and then ended up making up with making out with this other guy on the dance floor. And, Dan, you said uh, she's kind of a crazy bitch because she made out with some dude while she was on a date with another guy. And I kind of get that. I, I understand um, it's not a good thing that she did that, and you're right, she displayed poor judgment. But I would like to also point out that I think the guy she was on a date with also displayed poor judgment. He didn't, um, he shouldn't have left his girl alone on the dance floor. I feel like that's kind of, especially since it's an early date, he should have been more attentive. And I have to say, I myself am a lesbian. The few times that I've been able to pick up on a girl, on a street girl, it was when her guy left her alone on the dance floor. So I'm just saying, 
gentlemen, uh, you know, ladies, you shouldn't do that. But gentlemen, um, don't leave your girl alone on the dance floor because you never know what's going to happen. And uh, you should uh, make sure she's taken care of so she doesn't uh, run into any other appealing situations. All right. We're going to leave it there. Thank you all for your calls, your comments, your questions. 206-201-2720 is the number here at the podcast. If you'd like to record a question for a future show, now at thestranger.com slash lovecast, you can comment on the show. So uh, there's more room for more comments. We can only get a couple in every week, a few in every week here at the podcast. But if you want to really go off and go on and on and on, uh, go to thestranger.com slash lovecast and... Uh, It is infinite, the space there, for your comments, your feedback, your gripes. Also, uh, the It Gets Better book coming out end of the month. Go to itgetsbetter.org to buy a copy or to Amazon to buy a copy. Uh, That got its start right here on the Savage Lovecast. I'm really proud of everything that everyone listening to the sound of my foolish voice did to uh, kickstart that movement. Um, And I think you'll really enjoy the book. New essays by... David Starris, Michael Cunningham, Urbashi Vad, Kate Clinton, and lots of other people, including lots of essays by regular, average, everyday LGBT contributors to the It Gets Better Project. 206-201-2720. That is the number. Give us a call. Me and the Tech Savvy at Risk Youth. We're back at you next week. Another installment. Savage Lovecast. Thanks for downloading.